1971, a few months before Russ and I got married, we bought a brand new Ford Pinto that we named Sammy. It would have been much more affordable for us to buy a used car, but Sammy got far better gas mileage than an old beater, and keeping our fuel consumption low was our primary concern just a year after the first Earth Day. Better mileage both reduced pollution and lowered our contribution to global warming. Science's knowledge that burning up fossil fuels was leading inexorably to climate change went back even further than Russ's and my awareness of it in 1971. People who paid any attention to science back then were already very aware of the dangers, but not that many people were translating their knowledge into action. On June 20, 1979, President Jimmy Carter flipped the switch on 32 solar panels on the White House so that we could use, as Carter put it, quote, the power of the sun to enrich our lives as we move away from our crippling dependence on foreign oil, end quote. But GE spokesman and then-President Ronald Reagan took down those solar panels in 1986, just months after his administration abolished the Carter administration's tax credits for homeowners installing solar water heaters. Two decades later, in 2008, Reagan's former Attorney General Edwin Meese urged the EPA under George W. Bush to stall on climate change regulations. Addressing climate change is a political issue, but it should not be a partisan one. In 1985, Carl Sagan addressed Congress about the urgency of the issue. He was introduced by Minnesota's Republican Senator David Durenberger. Listening to the questions after Sagan's testimony, it was clear most politicians were thinking in terms of the next election, not the next generation. In the 1980s, climate change was an issue that did not appear to have immediate repercussions. It would mostly affect children and grandchildren who didn't even exist yet. Responsible adults maintain our homes and pay for homeowners, health, and life insurance, making sacrifices today to protect our family's future. But people willing and able to donate millions of dollars to politicians tend to be ones making billions of dollars in the industry surrounding fossil fuels. That short-term, greed-is-good mentality persists today despite the fact that the children and grandchildren of the future back in the 1970s and 80s are suffering mightily right now. And when we humans are suffering devastating losses from fires, floods, hurricanes, droughts, rising sea levels, diseases, and pest organisms thriving in warmer temperatures, etc., we don't think about the wildlife suffering even greater losses. Lesser prairie chickens are holding on by a thread in their tiny, drought-stricken, overgrazed range that has been destroyed perhaps beyond repair. Avian malaria-carrying mosquitoes are reaching higher and higher elevations in the Hawaiian Islands, 
wiping out native birds. Since the 1500s, an astonishing 30% of all known bird extinctions on the planet were of native Hawaiian birds. Twelve Hawaiian birds, American species protected by our Endangered Species Act, have disappeared during the 50 years since the Endangered Species Act was enacted, four of them just since 2000. Everyone knows about the dodo and passenger pigeon, but who has even heard of, much less mourns, the pauli, an American species declared extinct in 2019. If we couldn't be bothered in the past half century to do anything to protect our own species' future on this planet, I shouldn't be surprised that we so cavalierly ignore extinctions in this day and age in this very country. It's significant, I think, that Marketplace airs daily on national public radio, even replacing the 6 o'clock news on my local NPR station, while no similar national news program about the environment, much less specifically about nature, gets similar daily airing. Greed is good, and no matter what else is happening, today's stock exchange numbers are the most pressing bit of news, right? I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.